Amen, amen, amen. So glad you're here this morning. Welcome. It's a beautiful, beautiful day. We are here to conclude a series. I find myself sometimes, I love the bookends. And so we're concluding a series today, and hopefully it has been a foundational series for you, as it has been for us as pastors. We've been working through the Lord's Prayer together, and in different ways, exploring the uh, aspects of the prayer to hopefully give us a deeper sense of meaning as we pray these familiar words. And so we are at the end today. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So we want to talk about that section of prayer. What is it? And uh, why everyone doesn't pray it. Maybe you've noticed that before. But more importantly, what does it mean? And what does it point us towards? God's kingdom, power, and glory. What do we do with this prayer that Jesus has given us to pray As we prepare our hearts this morning, I have two readings for you, Um, two readings for you and a clicker that's a little, there it is, yeah, two two readings for you. One of them is out of 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles back in the Old Testament, chapter 29, uh, verses 10 through 15, 1 Chronicles 29, chapter 10 through 15, and then we're going to look at John from the New Testament, John chapter 1, verses 10 uh, through 15. Now, uh, let me set you up a little because this is to prepare our hearts and minds to receive the word today. In First Chronicles 29, King David has just made an enormous worship offering to the Lord of precious metals, and he has gathered the people together for an incredible outpouring of generosity to the Lord for the purpose of rebuilding or building the temple of God. And so what he's doing here before his people as king, King David is now offering a prayer of praise to the Lord. And I want to read that to us this morning. It's 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 13. These may be familiar words to us. King David then blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, forever and ever. Yours, O God, are the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty For all that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exalted as head above all. Riches and honor come to you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And it is in your hand to make great and give strength to all. And now, our God, we give thanks to you and praise your glorious name. Isn't that beautiful? Then, in the scripture, New Testament, first, from, chapter, from John chapter 1, verses 10 through 15, in his introduction to the gospel, John says this, And he was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. What, he came to what, his, what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray as we continue to explore this text in the Lord's Prayer series. Father, we thank you. We thank you for these words, both ancient and, and near. Father, I pray that you would take these words today and amplify them in our hearts and minds as we consider, God, the the ending, the doxology to the Lord's Prayer. Lord, would you make that real in our hearts this morning? 
Help us to be not those who, as you warned Jesus, to heap up empty words into the sky, but instead to be those who pray with power and authority and praise and honor to you, Lord Jesus. We thank you again for this gathering. Continue to teach us, we pray this morning. Holy Spirit, come, enlighten our hearts. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so walking through this section of the Lord's Prayer, and by coincidence, once again, I get one of the most awkward parts. And it's awkward in in case you've ever had this experience of praying it in mixed company. Have you ever had that? You know, maybe you've been huddled up or hands-on in a prayer circle at some gathering somewhere with different believers from different traditions, and you're praying along, and, you know, we've already talked about this a couple weeks ago. You know, Lord, forgive us our debt, sin, trespasses, right? We've talked about that. That's one awkward part. But then you get on past that, and you're still having having the company. You're saying, Lord, and, and forgive us our sins. Deliver us from all evil. And then half of the people go, amen. And the other half of you kind of go, wait, no, for, for thine is the kingdom and the power. And there's sort of this awkward ending here because some, of, some people learn to end it after evil and others continue on. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And it's always this kind of this strange part. Now, what's especially interesting or maybe even considering to be awkward about this section of prayer is it's not in every piece of scripture either. It's not in every scripture. It's not in every Bible. So a lot of times we can have these moments of shared prayer with brothers and sisters from other traditions, and we have this kind of awkwardness. They say amen. Some of us continue. But like I said, it's not in scripture, maybe even in your own Bibles, depending on what Bible you have. Sometimes they put it in some brackets, which can be really awkward. I don't like to see brackets in my Bible. Or there might be a little asterisk and a footnote that tells you this text was not part of some of the original early manuscripts. Maybe you've seen that, and you're like, maybe you've noticed that, and you're like, what is that? So this piece of the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, isn't in every Bible, and it isn't in every, but it doesn't emerge either from every tradition. In fact, I can show you a piece of uh, the text here. This is a codex or a piece of scripture that was recorded from about the 4th or 5th century. Now, in it is that doxology, for thine is the kingdom, and I highlight it there for you, for those of you who can read ancient Greek But I could also just, in fairness, have shown you some ancient codex that just end with the word evil and then amen. So where do we get this doxology? It really depends on what original manuscripts your church, your your history gathered their their, uh, notes from, and then what tradition you're from. Now, most Catholic friends, they will end the prayer at evil, amen, and we Protestants continue on because, again, that's part of our tradition. So today, even today, it's still one of the strange little differences that we might have in terms of how we pray this traditional prayer between Protestants and Catholics. Just, but again, it just depends on tradition. So what do we do with this prayer? Should we pray it or not? If it's not in every scripture, you know, authoritatively from the old time, we know for sure that it was part of the early church's liturgy. We know that for sure, that early, early, right after Jesus, when they were praying the Lord's Prayer, they included this little doxology. So it's a rich part of the Christian tradition. But it is tradition. Let me say that. It is tradition, more likely than, than Scripture. Whatever we do, though, we want to make sure that whatever we say, we mean. More importantly than, oh, is that for sure part of Scripture? Or is it not? Should it be in brackets? Should it be footnoted at the bottom? Whether it's our tradition or not, we want to make sure that the words that we pray It's important for us to mean what we pray rather than just, well, we're praying the right thing or not not the right thing. As I said, we don't want to be like Jesus warned. 
those kind of people that just sort of throw up, he said, the Gentiles, he said, they just sort of throw up empty phrases into the sky and, and hope they stick somewhere. Now, I say that because we are in an era where we really don't speak authentically much anymore. We really don't. You think about it. Even in your casual interactions with friends, you know, you might bump into someone that you haven't seen for a while around town, and it's someone that maybe you feel a little awkward about, but you say the same things. You go, oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, yes, call me. We should get together. Yes, yeah, let's find time to get together. But you really don't mean it. We're just being polite. I had this yesterday with our kids. We heard there was a carnival in town, a county fair, I guess, or something. And my wife said, oh, we should go to the county fair. And of course, our little kids were like, we're going to the county fair? Of course, within about a half hour, she realized, well, it's getting pretty late. We're tired. You know, let's not go to the county fair. And our kids were very upset because they were like, no, you said we were going to the county fair. And she said, no, that was just thinking out loud, right? But it's deeper than that. See, we live in a culture now where we don't really speak authentically or sincerely with each other much anymore. Especially if we're active on social media, we tend to put out more of a, a veneer, a, 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 an outside impression that everything is great and happy all the time. We don't really speak authentically much to even people that we are in closest relationship with. There's not many people, if you think about it, in our lives that we have real conversation with, with how we are actually doing and the thoughts and of our hearts and the emotions that we're feeling on a daily basis. But see, the Lord's Prayer is a gift that God gave us. The Lord's Prayer is a gift given to us through Christ. In response to the question, Lord, will you teach us how to pray? Will you teach us how to have a relationship with God that's like you, Jesus? And Jesus said, oh yeah, when you pray, then pray this way. You see, the Lord's Prayer is a gift that Jesus gave us to help us to start having an honest dialogue with God as our Father, with God as our Lord, with Him as our provider, with Him as our Redeemer. Lord's Prayer is a gift given to us so we can begin having honest dialogue with the Lord as our protector. And it's given to us, as Jesus said, when you pray, here's, here's one you can pray, pray this way. It's given to us so that we can begin building an authentic relationship with God who has welcomed us into his presence as his children through the saving grace of his son, Jesus Christ. So what is it? What is this section of prayer? As I mentioned to you already, it is a doxology. It's a doxology. And this is a traditional short hymn of praise that usually rounded out or capstoned a rich time of prayer. It was very, very common and still is in the Jewish tradition to have a time of singing of a type of, of hymn, a short hymn of praise at the conclusion of a time of prayer. And it was expected to be there. It was almost like the prayer didn't end until there was a shared sort of doxology, which is probably why it's not in every Bible translation or Bible uh, original manuscript we have because they just assumed we would know it was there. It was very common natural and normal to have this kind of salutation at the end of a prayer, something like that to praise the Lord's name. Again, it was so common that it was probably just presumed that at the end of the prayer, something would go in like a doxology. And as you noticed from our reading maybe today, that it seems to be based on the blessing 
from King David as he was praising God after an extraordinary act of worship and providing uh, all the resources for the new temple. What King David was doing for his people was expanding on God's greatness and saying praise to him. You see that in the words that, that are highlighted, the ones that kind of radiate into the the doxology that we have. He was signifying that to us, we are praying and worshiping a great and holy God. And it wasn't just words that he kind of tucked in there at the end of a time of offering. It was there to amplify and clarify to himself and to the people who is the God that we worship. And he is great and he is good. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I do feel like my prayers sometimes fall short. And it's just a habit that I have, even back from when I was a kid, where, you know, maybe I'd be in a great time of need, and I would look up into the sky, and I'd sort of say, well, you know, God, if, if you're up there, and you, and you have a free moment, can I ask you for something? But my, my, they just felt like there was like shooting an arrow into the sky. It just kind of fell short. And again, it wasn't authentic. It wasn't real. My really sharing with God, the, of all the universe, my actual thoughts and hearts and dreams and emotions, does he really want to hear from me on a daily basis? Yes, yeah, he really does, actually. So instead of just kind of shooting an arrow, a, a weak arrow up into the sky, kind of a God, if you're up there somewhere, prayer. Instead, we're reminded that we get to pray and have fellowship with the almighty God who had created all things, who is the king of all the kingdoms. To him is all the power and the glory. We get to pray in relationship with him, and he wants to hear from us as if, and he is, a loving father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. I love that. Thank you. So let's unpack it a little bit. For yours is the kingdom. For yours is the kingdom. What does this mean? Where does this come from? Again, it's, it's capstoning the prayer. We have already radiated in the kingdom of God earlier in the Lord's prayers. We ask, Lord, for your name to be made holy, for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done. When we say yours is the kingdom, what we're recognizing is that God reigns and he rules. And we recognize that we live under his authority as a good king. Why do we need this reminder? Because so often we can live in our own kingdom. So naturally, we can live under our own authority. So often, we can live to glorify our own name and expand our own kingdom of influence. And so often, we can naturally desire to do all the things that we want to do in our way. So when we pray this doxology, for thine, yours, Lord, is the kingdom, what we're doing in our hearts is saying no, no to that instinct of living in my kingdom. No, no, no. God, to yours is the kingdom. And it's the kingdom that I want to live in. It's the kingdom I want to live in today as I pray this prayer. Maybe it's a tool that God gives you to pray daily. Lord, yours is the kingdom. Can I live in your kingdom today? Can I live in your kingdom forever and ever? Amen. What about the power? Well, again, this is kind of capstoning or summarizing the Lord's Prayer. We pray, and to yours is the power. It's the recognizing the back part of the Lord's Prayer where we see God as our provider. He's the one who gives us what is right. He gives us our daily bread. He's also our Lord. 
and our leader. This is why he can lead us, but not into temptation, and even deliver us like a good parent out of evil. We recognize that everything we have in our pockets, everything that we enjoy in our homes, is him, is his because he gave it to us to be stewards of. And we trust in his leadership in our lives because, Lord, will you lead us? Will you deliver us? Because we know that in our hearts we can always trend towards making room for temptation or even blindly walking towards evil. But you notice as Pastor Joy led us last week in the idea of him delivering us, he delivers us from evil. Even when we're blindly sort of walking towards the danger, he picks us up and he carries us. He carries us. He delivers us like a good father carries us away from evil because he loves us, because he loves us. Where is his power? Well, if you remember the reading from John chapter 1, it's actually a power that he shares with us as his children. First John says he gives us power there to become the children of God. So a gracious father not only has all the power to yours is the power, but he also shares that power with us so that we can become the children of God. You see, in Christ, God has shown us the great power of his love. And his power was sufficient to break sin's hold on all humanity there on the cross. And his power overcame even death in the resurrection of the firstborn Jesus, who was the first of many to be born into eternal life. And his power was sufficient to break the chains of our sin and our shame that can so easily try to snare us down so that we can be free to worship him and to love others out of hearts that are full of his love and power. See, God, to him be all the power, but he shares that power with us to become the children of God. So when we pray that, for thine is the kingdom, I want to live in that kingdom every day. And for yours, God, for thine is the power. What we're saying is, Lord, will you let that power work through me as I go through my day? But what about the glory? Where does the glory connect into the Lord's prayer? Well, we know that God's glory, when we speak of that, it's not just a, a churchy word. When we talk about God's glory, we're saying, Lord, would you be visible? One of the ways to understand glory is kind of revelation or radiance or light. We see glory this morning as we got up early and we looked outside and it was just such a beautifully crisp, 3D, full-color day. That's when we see glory. In fact, the scriptures tell us that if we just step outside and we look around at nature, we can see so easily that God is there. Because anyone, uh, ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, as invisible as they are, have been understood and seen through the things that he has made. So one of the ways that we observe God's glory is just step out and open our eyes and just to say, God, I recognize you're there for yours is the glory and I see it. I see it. But where we see most fully God's glory is in his son, Jesus Christ. As John said in the beginning of his gospel again, he said, and the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen then his glory. And the glory is of the father's only son, who is full of grace and truth. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. So we behold God's glory 
in nature and around us, but we behold his glory most significantly in the face of his Son, who loves us and set us free. To thine be the kingdom. I want to live in that every day. For thine be the power, and I want to have that flowing through me each day. And for thine is the glory. And I want to see it and radiate it every single day. So with this invitation of his grace to lead us into his kingdom, to help us live by his power, and to share in his glory, we now move to the communion table. My friends, the end of a teaching series is always a great time for a new beginning with God. It's a great time to accept the grace of God fresh in your hearts as we're fed together. And before we go to the communion table, we want to just stand together and say together these words, which hopefully will become for us with new meaning, the Lord's Prayer. So as we stand with renewed hearts, we pray together this prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated for a moment as we continue with our preparation for communion.